0: This is Rev. Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So great to have you here this Memorial Day weekend. And uh, we have a very, very special service for you here today. And it's going to kind of start off a little slow and then we're going to build throughout. And and I think it's all going to come together really well. So again, uh, just so glad you're here. So glad for the people who are watching us from various places. So Memorial Day, you know, I think it's important for us to start out saying Memorial Day is about memorializing those who have lost their their lives in service to their country. So when it comes to Memorial Day weekends here at New Church Live, we always try to do something special. And in something that kind of connects, we've had many wonderful speakers. I, Locke Brown, Matthew Pennington. I had Matthew a couple times, and we have we have another one today. Uh, We're going to share some thoughts with you about about how this all connects, and how coming home is part of it. And what I want to do is I want to kind of give you a little biblical context here because it, it was a little tricky, you know, when you look at coming home because I think two things are true. I imagine I'm speaking for a lot of you. I know I'm certainly speaking for myself. So just please just give me that liberty of just throwing this out there. See what you think. I don't know whether it's true or not. I imagine both of us harbor two feelings, one of which is that we feel intensely at home. You know, I know for me, just the dinner table, just like being around my kids. I don't need to say a word. They can be picking on each other. The dog, one of them was always feeding the dog. Like, you know, but doesn't that feel great? You know, it it just feels like home. It just feels like home. And then in another sense, there's always this part of me that never feels at home. Not never at home with my family, but this other part that's a little restless. A little like, am I at home in this world? Am I really doing the life that God has called me to? Am I really aligned to, to, to what I'm supposed to be doing? That little part that's feeling both home and homeless. Now, if you tend to feel both home and homeless, you can raise one hand if you feel at home on occasion, and one hand if you feel homeless. I want to see if I made any sense to anybody out there. Oh, we got some big exclamation points out there. So, so yeah, so we, we kind of can feel both at the same time. Today's service, I'm not going to pretend to answer that, just so you know. What I'm going to pretend to do is to talk about both. And maybe give you some thoughts on both. And, and then Jed's going to speak and he's going to say so much more than I ever could. And what he's going to share with us. And, and uh, you know, it's just its just about holding this, this paradox. Now this paradox is so clearly spelled out in the Bible. Here we take a look at it from Luke. And here's Christ, and they're following him on a road. He's always moving. Now, it happened as they, these are his 12 disciples, the 12 people who were following him, as they journeyed on the road, that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. It's sort of that, uh, it's a very much, for those of you familiar with the Bible, very, very much a Peter kind of statement, like, I'm in. Wherever you go, man, I'm there. I'm with you no matter what. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man, or you could say the son of humanity, which is how Christ, how Christ titled himself, the son of man has nowhere to lay his, his head. Then he said to another, and I want you to say those last two words really loud. Then he said to another, beautiful line. So it's it's just fascinating, right? Like, like here's Christ and, and they're on the move. And this one disciple says, I'm going to follow you anywhere. And he's, he sort of seems to be saying, look, I just need to be clear. The journey is my path, and I think he's talking to us there. The journey is my path. We're not going to come to a space where we finally say, "Well, we got it all done. Let's just sit here now." It's like the days of creation, right? Days of creation run to Sunday, which was supposed to be Saturday. Excuse me, which was supposed to be this the, the Sabbath, but then the week was to start up all over again. I think that's that's the connotation here. Like, yep. There's a journey. And yep, some of your images of what home is may not be true. And if you're going to just follow me, just follow me. And make make that journey, listen carefully, or please listen carefully. I'd even take a note on this. Make the journey your home. Make the journey your home. And of course, that journey will include the people you love. It'll include that loved one you're sitting beside right now or that loved one in your mind. Of course, it will include your favorite house that you ever had. Patchy Cove, Auburn, Pennsylvania. Of course, it will include that. Of course, it will include include these parts of your life. You know, I don't care. What was it? The farm fields of Kitchener, Ontario. Who knows? But those places, like allow, see that as a journey. Allow that to be home. And allow Christ with a smile to say to that and to those memories, please say the two words there in yellow. Allow Christ to say to you, Follow me. I've led you to those places. I'm leading you to others. So, so we kind of can see that almost interestingly as a promise. And then there's this other part where there's also a warning. And that's what he goes on to say. And here's that warning. But he said, this is the disciple, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own. Please say the D word, bury their own. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now that sounds pretty severe. And look, no, keep going. We're good. The next slide. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Interesting, right? So here, is, here are these disciples saying, great, I'll follow you, but let me go check back home, get everything set up. And he's like, no, you, you can't do that. You can't do that. In the new church, we read the Bible very poetically. And when you look at this, you have to see this as a metaphor that Christ is using, a, a story of sorts. He doesn't literally mean this. He didn't live this. You look at the Bible, he was a mama's boy. Clearly a mama's boy. One of his last and I think most beautiful commands that he says from the cross is is where he makes sure that Mary, his mother, is taken care of. So clearly he believed in taking care of family. So what, what gives? What's up with this? Well, I think what it's talking about here is that idea that we can have these very sort of calcified old ideas, and that those, idea, those ideas can actually start to inhibit us. And if we constantly reach back to those old ideas, those old concepts, that served us at a certain time, that served us at a certain time, it will actually keep us from following God in the enlivening ways that we can folks i remember uh, you know i grew up in a small farming area in, in western pennsylvania and i remember going back home to see my brother and and uh, and going out we went out to grab a beer and i'm hearing this guy talk he was a guy who was sort of the the big football star a couple of classes above me and i remember him t- hearing him talk and i'm sort of listening in one ear because this was the guy who was like on mount olympus when i was down here and you know like oh my goodness there he is And and he's talking about like all the glory days, you know, the Bruce Springsteen song, right? And about how that was just everything to him when he was 18. It was the peak of life. I hope 18 is not the peak of your life. I really do. How many of us, raise your hand, how many of us thought we had it all figured out at 18? (laughs) How many of us know differently now? Right? I think that's what it's talking about. Like, don't go back from the new church perspective. Don't go back to those old ideas. Like, look, you got to let let those ideas, which are good, but they're dead in a, in a certain way. Let them just be, and then continue to move on in life. I think that's what it's talking about here. So it begs the question, then, Christ is sort of talking, as we're talking in the theme of coming home, that Christ, in a sense, is sort of homeless. And we can we can kind of see these two parts, like the journey is home, but then we can't ever really go home again. And I, I know just coincidentally, you know, I was talking to a vet and, and she was saying one of the hardest things she struggled with is she still to this day feels like she can't quite come home in the same way after what her experience has been. And so, like, how do you hold these things? Well, I want to talk for a minute just about maybe in what sense we could say that Christ was homeless, and there's a number of thoughts here I want to share with you. These are from, from New Church Theology. And think of church. Church in our sense is both the church you have in your heart. That's just yours and yours alone. As well as church as a corporate identity. So we make church all about an external appearance with no soul inside of it. So church becomes all about a certain look. But is there actually anything there? That's the question. Christ clearly can't feel at home in that kind of environment. The second one, where we value belief more than loving others and religious knowledge above matters of life. You will not be asked what you know in the next life. You will be asked who you helped on the way. And it won't be done as an accusation. It'll be done as a beautiful story. Like, tell me. Tell me who you helped on the way. That's what I want to know. That's great you got all the knowledge down. And who did you help on the way? Next slide. It's where also we allow facts to trump people, where information becomes more important than relationship. I think that's a sense where where Christ can feel sort of homeless in a church, homeless in our hearts where it's hard to find a place that really matters. And it's where religious knowledge means nothing to us in the other life, even if we have learned and understand it all, unless that knowledge, say the last word really loud, unless that knowledge lives, lives, unless that knowledge lives. See that for yourself. See that in broader environments and connect it to coming home. If if I just kind of live like this knowledge thing where relationships and help and Connection with other people gets pushed aside more and more. Of course, Christ is going to be homeless there. And it's not like an angry kind of homeless. It's just a homeless. There isn't a place to land. But when I can do the opposite, when I can start to live it, that's where homecoming is. That's where we start to see the journey as home. That's where we start to understand this that we all harbor a deep longing, a longing for longing for home. And we're so privileged, so honored today to have Jed who's gonna be sharing. Jed plays in the band, he's a wonderful friend. He's also in the Marines, and he has a few, few thoughts to share with you on what home and homecoming actually means. I give you Jed.
1: Thanks, Chuck. Good morning, uh, so <clears throat> a few of you have had the opportunity to have to come up and ask you to say a few words at church, and uh, it's kind of an amazing moment. Uh, this is my second time, so I feel very privileged. Uh, at first, I kind of thought, wow, he feels like I actually have something worth sharing with everyone, uh, which is a great feeling. And over the past two weeks, as I've been thinking about you know, what home really means to me and my experience and my opinions, uh, I realized that it's not so much what I have to share but sharing what I have to learn in that process. So took down a few notes, and I wanted to start off with you know just the fact that we all come home every day in one way or another, you know whether it's to your house or just a place to Rest, relax, and, uh, and I think what's important, what makes it home, is the safety and security that you have. I think that's the difference. Um, <clears throat> you know, any typical day, you can walk in the door, drop down on the couch, just relax, that <sighs> exhale. You know, it's, that's common. You know, then you're For me, uh, I come home and I have shirt stays and a uniform and a collar (laughs) up to here. So for me, maybe I run upstairs and I throw on a t-shirt and a pair of shorts. And then I sit down on the couch. I um, had a great opportunity yesterday. Uh, Some things fell in place and my brother was able to come up uh, to visit for a day. And we thought it would be great to visit my parents you know, go home, how fitting. It uh, wasn't planned, it was really kind of amazing that it lined up that way. Uh, but as we were driving up toward my parents' house, uh, we were talking on the phone, and uh, talking about how my mom always says, you know, whenever kids walk past the house you know, dribbling a basketball, she always thinks of us as we were growing up, and, uh, and misses that. You know, so we drove up and we decided we're not just gonna pull up and show up at the door. But, you know, we parked about a block away, and I grabbed a basketball out of the back of his truck, and, uh, and we walked past the house and down the alley dribbling the basketball. So she didn't come outside, even though her car was out front. Uh, so we had to let her know that it was us. So we started bouncing the ball off the wall on the side of the house. And, uh, and she peeked out the window. She's like, Who's in my house? And, uh, and then she saw it was up and was just overcome with joy, came running out and greeted us and gave us a big hug. Uh, so it was a great chance to go home. Uh, I guess with Memorial Day, there. Uh, I think Chuck was thinking about some kind of military tie-in with ringing me up. Uh, I thought back through uh, not just my coming home, uh, but some that I've experienced. Uh, as some you of know, you know, I play the sax, right? So I do that in the Marine Corps. And in 2006, I was stationed in Miramar, California. Uh, and while I was there, I actually got the opportunity to deploy to Iraq. Uh, so. I got to experience, you know, spending seven months over there and, and everything that that was, and coming home myself. And you know, there's that that excitement of you know landing and you're finally back on American soil and you know you get off the plane, touch the I it's like ah, I'm home, I'm safe. You know that security I was talking about before. As great as that was, it wasn't home. You know, a week or two later. I jumped on a plane from Myanmar and flew back to philly and I came out of the terminal and my whole family was there with posters they'd made up, and that that was home you know so that was the first half of it, you know having maybe a greater greater appreciation for home and, and what it is and how great it can feel. The other half of that opportunity was once I went back uh, I'm in the band so we play for the homecomings of everybody coming back. Whether it's eight, nine in the morning, if it's eight or nine at night, if it's two o'clock in the morning. The leaders that uh, I worked with out there, it was really important to them that no matter what time it was, uh, we were out there to give the soundtrack to those Marines coming home to their families. And uh, the opportunity to see, um, anybody seen uh, Heartbreak Ridge? It's a Clint Eastwood movie. All right, well, I can't see your hands, but hopefully, hopefully some of you have seen it. Um, uh, there's a scene all the way at the end where they get off the plane, and they form up, they get in formation. You know, and it's kind of like if you've been away on a long trip, like a really long trip and dealt with some hard times, and you walked up to your front door, and then you had to stand there for about 5, 10 minutes and wait to go in and greet your family. It seems like torture. Uh, but it was something really unique, because I see all the Marines uh, get off the plane and they form up, and their families are kind of corralled behind these fences, and there's you know parents, wives, husbands, uh, kids, uh, kids that are you know of all ranges of age, you know some that were born while uh, the marine was gone, you know, and the anticipation there and the joy is palpable, and I got the opportunity to give that a soundtrack, um, so witnessing that over and over again uh, was another way that I got a greater appreciation of home you know and what that feeling really consists of so uh, right now uh, I'm a recruiter in the area for the Marine Corps and uh, I work some long hours right as I'm sure most of you do in your respective uh, professions so I finish up a 15-hour day uh, I come home I throw on my t-shirt and shorts and uh, I drop down on the couch I have that exhale and I Pull my computer and continue doing work to finish it up. What? Um, uh, sometimes I think about uh, when I was younger. Uh, we had a Christmas one year where we decided we were going to get a Chris- uh, Charlie Brown Christmas tree, uh, and it was like maybe about that tall and all twiggy and you know, not very green. And I didn't really understand why we weren't getting the big typical, you know, Christmas tree. Uh, but yesterday. My brother and I went and bounced the basketball down the alley and met my mom and you know, I go into the kitchen and I look out the back window and I see that Charlie Brown Christmas tree that we planted you know, that was once like this size and now it's taller than our two-story garage. And it takes up half of the backyard. You know, think about something like a project you would do in elementary school where you're kind of describing you know, the things you, you know, smell, what you hear, what you see uh, that creates that home for you. Um, you know, I think about that tree and how much it's grown and how it symbolizes how much our family has grown over that time uh, and still being able to come back to that home. Uh, I think about you know, the mornings of endless pancakes that became our family tradition. The, uh, sitting, you know, getting a little bit older and sitting around the kitchen table with my family, extended family, and uh, you know, eating you know, meats and cheeses and you know, drinking a little wine. Uh, and just enjoying that family and all the memories that are tied to that. Uh, Those are the things that create those relationships uh, that give you that security in coming home uh, and and all the meaning behind it. Uh, I think about that first time, and I'll kind of leave you with this as something for you to think about. Uh, That first time uh, that you came home and what your parents tried to create for you, and if you have children, that first time you brought your child home, and what was most important to making that home for them. You know, I think it is you know, that security, that safety, that place where you can be you, you know, unadulterated, just you, and be able to sit down and exhale. Creating that for each other, you know, that's what I think home is. So, thank you.
0: some beautiful thoughts. I love the basketball bouncing. I was thinking I should have given him a basketball here. Thank you for speaking at New Church Live. And if his brother, just his brother could raise his hand, just we want to recognize you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming today. So when we get back from the bucket song, we're going to talk about, yeah, you know, what is that real peace? Like, like those memories, how does, how does that work? You know, how does that connect? And then how can we move that forward in ways that can actually feel us more? And Jeff was alluding to this. We can feel more and more at home. Right here, right now, in the lives that we've been gifted. So I want to talk again about what is that with that coming home again? Like what, what's going on? What's getting activated, so to speak? Well, here's a little piece of New Church theology here talks about an inner memory and that's that part deep inside of us i mean way down in there deep inside that's totally at peace totally calm has this beautiful inner memory what it is it's an imprinted original memory that lives through us because we lived into it it's formed by loving god and thoughtfulness for others please say the next one it's a a second nature it's always in heaven's light it's a universal language. A universal language. It's something, folks, again, that, that when we think about it, we can, we can all imagine those pictures of, of you know, Jenna's brother and the basketball and throwing it off the side of the house. think like we can all remember those things. And I mean, maybe yours were slightly different, but in a weird way, even though the specifics might be different, the memory is the same. The memory is the same. This deep, precious thing this deep and precious thing and i get a chance as a pastor to see it all the time here's an example a beautiful picture now now before i do weddings what i like to do is i like to gather the the couple in a big circle the, the whole wedding party and then you can see the the couple man and jeff they're in the back right in the white and the blue and then everybody gets a chance to sort of say their name their connection to the couple and then to offer them a quick blessing and it's it's an amazing homecoming circle because you see all the different parts of their life in this beautiful welcoming spirit. I mean, it's gorgeous stuff. And by the way, I just need to say, anytime I do this, the brides all like Chuck, that's a great idea, and the groom's like, what are why are we doing that for? Because you'll appreciate it later. And and you know, and there's there's always it always starts out with the typical niceties like we hope you have a happy marriage, and then by about the third one, somebody's crying, and that's that inner memory. It's at home. I get to see it other places, too. This is our newest addition to New Church Live. You know? Yeah, we can applaud that. You know, the owners welcoming a new baby. You know, coming home. And isn't it fascinating, like, even there, that inner memory. One of the things that amazed me, every time one of our kids had, every time we had one of our kids, we had a lot of practice. I had five. And, uh, you know, every time one of them arrived, and, and I imagine you'll nod your head at this, it was like they'd always been there. I couldn't actually imagine a time where they weren't. It was like they were, they were just, had always been with us. And now finally, at least I knew the baby's name. As well as, this is a picture from last week. Oh, do we have the picture from last week? We don't have the picture from last week, my bad. Uh, you know, last week we were able to have a baptism last week, a beautiful baptism. Let me check on shore. We were able to have a beautiful baptism. That was wonderful. And then we had a whole team of people go down and serve at St. Francis Inn down in the city. Another form of home. Another form of that inner memory. And I think, I think that's so important to kind of ground ourselves in that. Now what we're going to do is, is I want you folks to have an opportunity here just to hear from each other what one of those inner memories might be. That inner memory, that deep, that universal song, that second nature, that deep and cherished memory that you're holding this Memorial Day weekend. So I'm going to give you a second to think about it. I'm going to go back there. I'm going to grab the microphone from Marcus. If nobody answers, I will be volunteering people. So I highly recommend that you do volunteer. So we just
1: have like three, three people who'd be willing to share. So I'm going to come off the stage now and do that.
0: All right, who is, who is game for talking about a little inner memory? A beautiful one. Wayne, thanks for volunteering. You texted me a good one. Well, first thing I had to ask my wife what the question was. Um, but I guess the deep inner memory of when I knew I was home is, is uh, um, I'm one of the lucky people that, that um, went to bed every night knowing my parents loved the heck out of each other. And the sense of security that that had uh, given to me was, was something really profound. And I never really experienced it until I came to Bernathen and as a student, was gone from it for a couple of years. And I remember going home for the summer and just feeling like I was wrapped in this really, really warm place again. I remember hearing somebody said, the, war- the best geography in the whole world, the safest geography is the space in between your two parents when there's a thunderstorm. There's no safer geography. Margo, could I call on you about the St. Francis Inn? No. No, all right, all right. Who else, who else would like to, all right.
2: So when I uh, graduated from college, we moved to California and we were used to the Midwest with lots of green and rain and, uh, and things. And years later, I went back to visit my parents outside of Chicago.
0: And I was there in the summer, and we had this porch that we always ate
2: meals on behind the house, and that was where the family gathered, and they gathered all summer there. And that day, a thunderstorm was coming, and I put a cot out there right by the table where we'd eaten so many meals, and there was water
0: and and lightning and everything, but it was, after being in California, it's so wonderful to have the water. Here, probably nobody's thinking they want more water, but... (laughs) at that moment I did want more water. That's beautiful. Thank you. Anyone else? Space for one more.
2: When we were growing up, um, our family would get together for dinners any place. And as part of the dinner at the end or the middle of the dinner, we always had a family song that we would sing, one or two of them. And We would always try and teach it to whoever was sitting with us um, to invite them into our family. And I was just thinking about that song yesterday and thinking, wow, we haven't sang that song in a while, but that was coming home for me.
1: I was just noticing that I have the the sense of coming home every Sunday when I come in here for service.
0: Thank you. That's beautiful. And again, like like the church. So, you know, and it's beautiful, right, when we think about those inner memories. Can I do something really, this is going to be embarrassing. Nobody tell my wife I'm going to do this. Everybody say, I promise. (laughs) I promise. (laughs) Over the mountains, over the sea, that's where my true love is waiting for me. God bless the moon that shines above, and God bless the one that I love. That's what my mom used to sing. (laughs) Retreated to a first and last at New Church Live, right there. So, so those, those inner memories, and that's like, that's homecoming. And again, we, we have it in different ways. Not everybody has a family that's intact. Not everybody has parents who, who sang and cherished them. Not everyone has those exact same memories, but we do. But we do. And, and that's so much of coming home, I think at times like this, like really pulling it into that cherished, Place. So I'm now going to sit over here and I want to talk just a little bit about some more of that and why that's significant. Now, important again to remember, you know, with this picture that on Memorial Day, we have to always remember that a lot of the people we're talking about, a lot of servicemen and service women, they don't actually make it home. That's important to remember that some do get a homecoming. And some do not. Some experience something far different. And looking at this cemetery and thinking about a, a story here, and this is a, a story from, from Anzio Beach. And, uh, you know, I always liked World War II history, and I've always liked religion. And this is a story I want to share with you, and it's a story. And it, it comes from uh, Father Thomas Keating. And what, what Father Keating said, you know, he had this big religious experience. He was on retreat over in Italy, and he goes walking through this old World War II battlefield. And he sees all the gravestones, all the markers neatly lined up. And as he's looking at these markers, as he's looking, and, and he's, he's, he's just, he starts to all of a sudden get this sense, this sense of something incredibly deep and powerful. See, he had spent many years in a monastery praying for these men who were overseas fighting World War II. And then what he had this sense of was that these men were now, were now here for him. That all those prayers that had gone out were now prayers coming back in. And that that was a homecoming of sorts for him. It's a beautiful realization that he had, and I think this is so important, that we all have every single one of you in here is fighting battles. And when we allow ourselves to be anchored in home, maybe it just gives a little bit of relief to all of that. When we look to, I don't know, could you guys just give me a shout-out from the booth? Do we have Elliot's slide, or are we having a slide problem? There we go. This is is just a beautiful piece, and I I think this is kind of what we're talking about here, what this actually means, how it actually functions, how it actually works. So let's do this, because I really want you to hear this. I'm going to read one line, and then you're going to read the next, and we'll just kind of figure it out, all right? We shall not cease from... of all our exploring, will be to arrive where we started, and read the full last line, will be to arrive where we started, and know the place for the first time. time. It's that idea of like life sort of has this bend to it, that that we do come back around, and we come back around home, and all of a sudden we know it for the first time. This beautiful concept of a homecoming that starts to move and move through our lives. And what that can do, look at this beautiful line from the Bible, how that can hear. You can actually start to hear and feel like a trumpet. A door standing open in in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet. A trumpet saying, we're home. And I want to really pull this together this Memorial Day. I want to share with you a wonderful video about a trumpet that talks about someone calling someone else to come home. Take a look at this video.
1: My full name is
2: Jack Roy Tuller. This is two weeks after D-Day. It's dark, raining, muddy, and I'm stressed. So I get my trumpet out and the commander says, Jack, don't play tonight because there's one sniper left. I thought to myself, that German sniper is as scared and lonely as I am. So I thought, I'll play his love song. Dun dun dee 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 dee. next morning, here came a jeep up from the beach about a mile and a half away, and the military police says, hey captain, there's some German prisoners getting ready to go to England. One of them keeps saying in broken English, who played that trumpet last night? And he burst into sobs. He said, when I heard that number that you played, I thought about my fiancee in Germany, I thought about my mother and dad, and about my brothers and sisters, and I couldn't fire. And he stuck out his hand and I shook the hand of the enemy. He was no enemy, he was scared and lonely like me. The power of music.
0: That's powerful, right? I we're all in a sense being called home. All of us here. Home that can be found in this congregation, home that we can be found in our families, in our workplaces, at home in the world, but continuing to understand more and more that the journey actually is home. I mean, one of the things I love about that video is did you notice whose love song did he play? The other soldiers. That peace of reaching out, that, that beautiful connectedness that resonates with the very best of human nature. The wonderment of that all. Maybe Memorial Day can be a place where we just hold that tenderly. Hold that for the families who never did get a chance to physically welcome home their loved ones from overseas. A chance to welcome home as well those who did come home. And a chance to continue to welcome each and each other back. Back into this world, into this life. Purposefully, lovingly. All those things that are the very best of human nature, the best of our God-given gifts, living into that as best as we can. So, happy Memorial Day. I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you so much for joining us here today, this Memorial Day. What we're going to close the service with is I'm going to offer a prayer. You have the opportunity to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it, to offer your own prayer, to just have a moment of quiet reflection, and then we're going to close on a great song. So please join me in prayer.
2: Lord, thank you
0: today for having stirred those inner memories of our heart. Thank you, Lord. Allow those memories to be held as precious, as dear, as a place, Lord, both where we leave from and paradoxically, a place, Lord, where you are leading us back to. A place where we return and know the place for the very first time. Be with all families this Memorial Day weekend, Lord. Guide them Lead them, protect them, allow love to be the bond. Allow those connections, Lord, to soar, to soar as a testimony to you and to how we're created and the life that we are to live into. And thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence here today. Be with families who this Memorial Day hold it as a time of loss, Lord. Be with families who hold this Memorial Day as a time of reunion. And be with us all. In your name, we pray. Amen.